So let's go ahead and get into the Word of God. Make sure you have a Bible nearby. Um, we are in this year of becoming, right? I mean, isn't that this, this year, the year of becoming, 2021? Becoming what? Becoming all that God designed us to be, all that God wants us to be. But part of becoming is making sure that we rebound well from what happened last year. Y'all kind of remember the COVID era, yeah? I mean, we're all kind of still in it, yeah? And, and there were things that happened last year that God really blessed us in. He had treats for his kids along the way. He had encouragements. And as a matter of fact, there are ways that we are different now that are super good because of last year. On the other hand, there are some things that we picked up through this last year that are not exactly awesome character traits. There are some habits we picked up along the way that were not great, and we need to figure out if we can kind of sift and sort those out. So I'm going to lead you through that, but I want to get the heart of my message to you. If you take notes, make sure to write this down. If not, uh, if you want to open up the app, this is the fill in the blank for you, yeah? So just write this down. God built us to rise again. God built us to rise again. I'm going to be very clear in my message that last year was rough. That as a matter of fact, we're still going through difficulty. I'm not going to minimize that. What I'm going to encourage you is that God built you to be resilient and to bounce back. It's how he designs his people. So we're going to lean into that a little bit more. But I'm here to tell you, Bridgeway is moving forward right? We are looking forward, heading forward, and we would love for all of you to join us. But in order to do that, we need to give God some praise for some good stuff and talk a little bit about some stuff we need to unlearn, perhaps, that burrowed into our soul. And in order to do that, I'm going to give you a couple lists. If you take notes, write these down. I'm going to first give you a list of three things that I believe were personal blessings from God, stuff that you and I gained from last year, okay? And I know we're still in it. I know we're still gaining some of it, but three things that I think that God was very kind to us about. Ready? Write this down. Number one, God crashed our busy schedules. God crashed our busy schedules. Man, I got to tell you, one of the greatest gifts God gave us from the COVID era was stopping the rat race. And here's the funny thing. You don't want to keep up with the Joneses because you haven't seen them in like a year, right? You have no idea what the Joneses are doing. Who cares, man? They're probably hiding in their house somewhere. Like for a moment, everything came to a grinding halt and it was not what more could you do. That is a gift from God, in my opinion, right? We've had a chance to have less distraction than we've had in a decade, Okay, number two, write this down. We reconnected with our families. We reconnected with our families, whether that was on the phone to try to check and make sure everybody was okay, or whether or not it was in your own home, right? We reconnected with our families. We were able to spend more time with our families than we have in years. Now, it was like a terrible vacation, <laughs> right? Where you're like, wow, this is the least fun time we've ever had together, right? But we went through something together which creates bonds, so we actually are more bonded to our families moving through it. Has it been tested and tried? Yes. 
I would suggest to you that a lot of relationships actually had some conversations that needed to always be had, but not everybody was willing to have them. Well, I'll tell you, when you get that ticked off, you have those conversations, right? Number three, we developed a craving for connection. We developed a craving for connection. A lot of us, quite frankly, were fine doing our own thing until we were forced to. That's what bugged us, right? It was like we were super cool watching movies on our own until they said we couldn't go to theaters. Then suddenly we wanted other people in the room while we watched a movie, right? And then for whatever reason, we wanted to go to the mall. We never wanted to go to the mall before, but now we wanted to go to the mall because there's people there. We wanted to go to a sporting event. Why? Because there's people there and cheering and shouting and all that. And suddenly we couldn't and it started to freak us out. We actually started to want to go to church when everyone said we couldn't go to church, right? It's like before, it was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Then all of a sudden, what do you mean I can't go to church? And we like freaked out, right? Because we knew there's something about being on campus. There's something about the electricity in the room, the kind of atmosphere that the Holy Spirit rolls inside the house, right? And we were starting to go, man, I want to be at church. I want to be at church. We have a craving for connection. I want to give you two blessings that just happened in this house. I'm just talking about Bridgeway, period, right? You wouldn't maybe know these because they were kind of behind the scenes. One of the blessings is our online experience now is lights out. It is so good and high quality. That was forced on us. We were never going to be able to have the bandwidth to put all of our attention. We built out a whole new room with a whole new soundboard that did a whole new mix because you can't just use the house mix and put it online. That sounds terrible. You have to do a whole different mix just for online. We have all the great camera work. Our camera operators got way more experience than they ever wanted, right? And now all of a sudden we have this amazing online experience that was forced on us. We wouldn't have done it otherwise. But praise God, we can carry that forward. Here's the other interesting thing. Finances. I know you probably haven't scheduled out the annual business meeting here at Bridgeway, right, that we're happening in June. You're like, oh, I can't wait for that, right? Sounds terrible. It's actually pretty fun. And here's what you're going to learn this year. Right, We're in a fiscal year of July 1st to June 30th. So we're kind of coming around. Here's what's intriguing about it. Immediately when COVID hit, we took a 10% hit in all giving. So boom, how do you just cut out of a budget 10%? Suddenly you operate off 90%. We are going to emerge out of this year more financially blessed than we have in a decade. How do you take a 10% hit, amen? Like that's God math. How do you take a 10% hit and end up with more? It's super weird. And so I wanna share all that with you at the annual business meeting. So once again, God has given us some pretty awesome stuff along the way while it's been difficult, yeah? But there are some habits, and this is where I wanna camp for a little bit. There are some habits that we picked up, some of us, not all of us, right? But there's some habits we picked up throughout this last year that I think we need to shake free. I think we don't need to let them sit in our spirit for very long. They certainly cannot become who we are. 
right? So let's talk about those. I'm going to write them down. There are three different distortions. So each one is going to be a different type of distortion. Write this down. Emotional distortion. Emotional distortion. What do I mean? Some of us live distantly suspicious of other people, just in general now, right? Hey, are you infected with the virus, right? I mean, isn't that what we got? Did you just sneeze? Like, what, what do you got? What do you got, right? Did you just cough? That's how it starts. You know what I mean? And we have this kind of, whoa, what are, are, are you infected? You are, and then we're like, oh, wait, are you, are you along with my political persuasion? To, like, do you believe what I believe? Are you, you know, are you doing the right things? Are you doing the wrong things? What are you doing in your house? What are you, right? And we have this suspicion about everybody with a super guarded attitude. Social distancing was supposed to be a physical thing. Unfortunately, many of us became emotionally and relationally distanced at the same time. One is good, one's not so good. When we stood further back from people, our hearts retreated too. When we pulled back from physical touch, our compassion restricted. See, that's not okay. I understand we all had to do certain protocols. I understand we all had to do certain things and guidelines and all that. All that is really, really healthy and good. The problem is when it soaks in and becomes who we are, that's the danger. The church cannot be as effectively the church or minister as well from a distance. So if we allow ourselves to pull so far back we can't be the church very well. That's gonna be a problem. So as the threat lessens, or the perception of threat lessens, Christians should be at the front of the receiving line. I'm ready to get back in, let's go. Now we got these vaccines going and we got all this other stuff going and there's herd immunity and a lot of people have had it and, and now all the we're going in a different tier. Whatever you wanna call it, as the threat begins to lessen, Christians should be the first ones out their door to try to re-engage. Here's the problem. If we live guarded, we build walls, right? Here's the problem with a wall. Everybody's voice on the outside sounds muffled, and you can't hear them clearly, and they sure sound like they're saying something bad about you. Isn't that interesting? Wait, what'd you say? What'd you, what'd you say? Oh, no. Are you talking about me? Right? And then we're like, see, that's why I don't want to be out there. All these people are broken. They're all messed up. They're all mean. They're all this. They're all that. Right? Behind walls, you can't hear clearly. And so you go, that's right. That's why I'm alone. And you just hide. Here's the problem. Jesus said in Luke 14, 34, salt is good. But if salt has lost its taste, how will its saltiness be restored? It is of no use, either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. What's the point? You guys, we're the salt of the earth. If we pull away, there's no more salt. Stuff goes bad if it doesn't have a preservative. You understand what I'm talking about? There's no flavor in the world. We can't all hide. We can't all disappear. We can't all go inward and say, I'm probably never going to reemerge. That's actually not an option. We're Christians. We have to engage. It's what we were built to do. It's why we're here. 
And then the more we turn to social media for comfort, right? Because at least that didn't have any virus stuff attached to it. The minute we tuned into social media, we got stung by people we thought we loved. And then all of a sudden we're like, dang, I thought I had a whole bunch of friends. The stuff they're posting, I guess we don't have anything in common. And no wonder I'm all alone. No wonder I don't want to get along with them. I thought I had more friends. I guess I just have acquaintances. And then we go, see, I'm lonely. And it all began to fall around us. But if we think defensively first, we're going to spend way too much time thinking about what other people are or are not doing and spending no time thinking about how to have the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. I'm not letting the devil take that. That's not fair. Here's the other thing. It's not quite rocket science. We, almost all of us want the same thing, right? What do we want? We all want to be loved. We all want to be respected. We all want to be heard, right? And you would think that maybe we don't understand each other. We do understand each other. We're all frustrated and we can't wait for this stuff to be over. So wouldn't it make sense to just follow Jesus' words, Matthew 7, 12? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. This is the law and the prophets. That's not mind-blowing. Hey, if you want grace, extend grace to other people. If you want people to be merciful to you, extend mercy to them. If you want people to listen to you, listen to them. We're all wanting the same thing. We can get out of this if we would just show other people the same thing we want. We just don't want to go first, right? You show that you're nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. But Christians always go first. Christians always go first. I have to love you because of the love I got from God, and then it may or may not propel you to love me back. Does that make sense? Glory. Number two, yeah, glory, right on, come on. Number two, write this down, social distortion. Social distortion. The first one was emotional distortion. Second one is social distortion. We tightened our social circles. In fear and anger, we brought all of our social circles in. Some of us don't see anyone. Some of us only see family, right? Some of us drop most of our friendships, and we are the most isolated we've ever been. But Christ says we are the light of the world, how do you be the light of the world if you're not around anyone? And how can you be the light to the world when the world can't even have access to you? That doesn't even make any sense. The Bible says that we're to love our enemies, so the problem is we have to be available to our enemies, right? Christians aren't allowed to lock themselves off from society for very long before society begins to fall apart because there's no presence of Jesus. The main problem is not the size of our social group. I'm not telling you that you need more people in your life. Here's my challenge. It's who we allow in. We have been justified for one year to only hang with people that are like us, right? Hey, I wouldn't let you through. I got to know where you're from. I got to know where you've been. Got to understand who you are. So I will allow you if you are my close friend or you're my family, I only allow those people in. When you do that, 
you violate the very premise of Christianity. Christianity was designed to love the stranger, the foreigner, the outcast, and seeing value in people you just met. That's Christianity. So we're out of practice loving people that aren't like us. We don't want that to cement in, right? We, we, I mean, it's very tempting. We just can't let that sit there. We've got to get out of that. Most of us stopped hosting and hospitality. I would venture to say that most of us have not had anyone to our home in a year, right? We haven't had anyone to our home in a year. We haven't carpooled. We haven't shared a lunch. And the problem with that is Jesus put a high value on talking about life over meals. Jesus put a high value on bringing someone into your personal space. So how are we going to do that? That's obviously the question that is before us. It's easy to see your home as a protected haven that keeps out bad. But your home is the number one place to create relationship. Ah. Jesus told this story, right? The Good Samaritan story. I mean, like, I think most of us have got this one memorized, right? Here's kind of how it goes. People were asking Jesus, and they're like, so I'm supposed to love people. Cool. So you keep saying I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Who is that? Jesus said, all right, well, let me give you an example. Because they were trying to say, how much do I really need to go out of my comfort zone to care about other people? He said, well, let me tell you a story. So there's this Jewish guy, and he gets beat up and robbed and left to die on the side of the road. And by him walks a bunch of fancy Jewish religious leaders, so like a priest and a Levite and stuff like that. And they had every responsibility to watch over their fellow man. This guy's just lying bleeding on the side of the road. Nope. They got their lives to do. They got other stuff to worry about. They're probably going to temple. If they touch that guy, it's going to mess everything up. And so they're like, you know what? I have other things to worry about. You're not my responsibility right now. So they walked on by. Here on a horse comes cruising up a Samaritan. Samaritan Jews hate each other. It's a racial issue. It's a whole long history problem between the two people groups. For all practical purposes, no one would fault the Samaritan for going, talk about not my problem. Man, good luck, dude. I'm out. And moves on. Pulls his horse over, gets off, ministers to the guy's needs, puts him on his own horse, takes him to a place where he can get cared for, says, put all the medical bills on my tab, and then heads out. Jesus goes, yep, like that. And everybody's blown. Their minds are blown. I would never do that for a Samaritan. He's like, yeah, I know. That's the problem. You see, when we keep allowing only the people that are like us, only the people that are easy to love, only those people around us, we shrink our world and we cease to be what God wants us to be. Jesus said in Luke 6.32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive it all back, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. 
But I tell you, love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. That's Christianity. Have you allowed your world to shrink that you no longer are connecting to people different than you? If you do that, we lose. How can we be salt and light when we're hiding in a hole? Hmm. Number three, write this down. This is, you're gonna spend the rest of the message trying to spell this word. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Ecclesiastical distortion. Ecclesiastical distortion. If it gets too hard, it actually just means church. Right, you can write that one down, church. That's easier. Ecclesiastical distortion. Some of us through this last year have become trained to be observers and not participators. Hmm. Let me tell you what I mean. The majority of us have grown comfortable watching church rather than being the church. Our new normal is tuning in, not reaching out. We must always fight the temptation to see the church as a place where only we get our needs met instead of being the place you come with your gifts to meet their needs. That's what church is. And when we got into these habit patterns where it's only an observing issue, now all of a sudden we're kind of connected to three churches, which I think is great for your own spiritual growth. Problem is we don't know we can count on you and it's hard to see you as family because you got a whole bunch of different families. So when we need you to serve, and you're like, well, I'm already serving in another church. Okay, well, then I'm not quite sure what we're doing, right? So all these patterns that got started, some of them are really good, and some of them really are probably not great because the majority of us stopped serving at all, right? Our smaller social circles limited volunteering Loaning stuff to your neighbor, taking a meal to a friend, or just serving the needs of people around you. If we stay in a self-centered spot, we will lose a huge piece of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, I want to be very clear on something. I am not saying you didn't have a lot of good reasons to back up. I'm not telling you that you didn't have a lot of good reasons to wall off. I'm not telling you that you, you shouldn't have been afraid or you shouldn't have done. I'm not telling you what to do. What I'm telling you is, if that is where we were at, at what point did it soak into our heart and become who we are? That's my challenge, right? Okay, whatever you went through, whatever you did, necessity, great. You did that. Now what? Now what are we doing? And we certainly can't let it become our identity, we certainly have to do something else because you're a Christian. Christians are others-focused. Christians are connectors. Christians are people that love actively. That's what Christians do. So if we are in a tiny little fortress hiding by ourselves, our Christianity doesn't go anywhere. And that's not who we are, right? I want to share a story with you. Could you turn your Bibles with me to Acts 5.12? Acts 5.12. If you're brand new to the Bible, just drop your Bible open in the middle, go to the right, kind of the far extreme right. You're going to hit Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and if you hit Romans, you went too far. So Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. 
I'm going to share a story that I believe demonstrates clearly how Christians are built. And I would hope that by the time I get done with this message, you are fired up and ready to go, right? Because what you're going to hear is some pretty exciting news. Here we go. Let's go through. It's a little bit of a longer story. You may want to follow along with me in your Bibles. I'm reading out of the ESV, Acts chapter 5, verse 12. It says this, now many signs and wonders, those are miracles, were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in the temple called Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. The church was booming. It was growing. It was exciting. Miracles were happening. It says, verse 15, so that even they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Man, if you are anointed to the degree your shadow heals people, you're legit. You know what I mean? Like, that's pretty awesome, right? The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So the church could not be more on fire, couldn't be more exciting. Verse 17, but the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Boy, that's a buzzkill. Man, we were going so good. God, you should have just shielded us. Let us keep going. We were doing so much amazing ministry. We all got busted and we all got thrown in jail. That is a drag. That didn't need to happen, God, right? There's a million ways you could have handled this. Why would you let us get thrown in jail? Verse 19, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. That's awesome. What did he do that for? Listen to the next line. And he said, go back to the temple, stand there and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, I'm going to fast forward to verse 27 because they get arrested again. And when they had brought the apostles, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we had strictly charged you not to teach in the name of Jesus, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Go to verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them, and they charged them to never speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. Look how they responded, verse 41. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not stop teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. You know what you just heard? Here's how it goes. Man, we are preaching and everything is going awesome. The church is exploding. Things are, we're having miracles. Crazy stuff is happening. But God lets it all get shut down. We all get thrown in jail. We're like, oh my goodness, everything's falling apart. This is terrible. All of a sudden an angel shows up, lets us out. What do you want us to do? Get right back to work. All right, I guess we'll do that. Go out. Hey, we're preaching, we're preaching. Oh, we get busted again. 
Now we're being hauled before the council. They're sitting there yelling at us. They're like, you should never be able to speak about this again. And we're like, hey, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm a Christian, so I got to do what Christians do. I got to talk about Jesus. He's the whole reason why I live. And they're like, well, we're going to beat you and send you off. And then what do they do? Go out and do more ministry. How do you shut down people like that? The enemy had a really, really hard time. Right? So what happened to us last year? You got smacked down just like I did. You got stuff that freaked you out. You got stuff that was hard on you. You lost people that you loved. There was craziness. There was financial hits. A lot of stuff crushed you. I'm not telling you you weren't knocked down. I'm telling you God designed you to spring back up. That's what I'm telling you. You want to hear another one? I love this story. Go a little bit forward in the book. Go to chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 19. This is awesome. Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, those are towns, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned the apostle Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, entered the city, and on the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derbe. They preached the gospel in that city, had many other disciples, and then they went to more cities, verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Full disclosure, as your pastor, if I get stoned to death, I'm taking a day off. Yeah? Is that not fair? Not Paul the Apostle. Dude, I got stoned to death today. Guess what I'm doing tomorrow? I'm going to work. All right. Like this guy, like boing, he just jumps right back up like Tigger, and he's just going for it again. You can't shut this guy down, right? That's how God built Christians. Yes, we get knocked down, but we boing, we spring right back up. Yes, we have difficulties. Boing, we spring back up. We are resilient. We keep coming back. Why? Because God pours in new energy and new energy and new energy. We are not down for the long haul. We are only down for a short amount of time, and then we rebound and explode again. It doesn't matter what comes at us, whether or not it's persecution or whether or not it's sickness or whether or not it's disease or whether or not it's plague or whether or not it's famine. Whatever hits, we rebound back out again. That's how we were built. You're going to find out this Good Friday, Jesus did ministry and they killed him for it. Guess what he did? Sprung right out of the tomb. Man, that's a whole Easter message. You can't shut these guys down and you can't shut us down either. Do you understand what I'm saying? Christianity is built on men and women who are resilient. We bounce back from adversity. In the power of the Lord, we rise up again and again and again. We cannot be stopped. Paul said it this way, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9. We have this treasure, this presence of the Holy Spirit, the gospel living in us, this eternal life. We have it in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. What does that mean? It means we're fragile. Yes, the world can knock us down. We're in a dangerous, sin-filled, broken world. It can knock us down. But do you understand the more fragile we are, the more it shows the world, clearly it's not just them doing it. When they rebound, there must be a God involved because everyone else just stays down. I get it. 
It's hard, and you go, man, I feel weak sometimes. Well, that's because you're human. Of course you feel weak sometimes. Of course you got knocked down. Nobody said you weren't getting knocked down. They just said you're not staying down. That's a big difference. The verse goes on, verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. And he goes through this whole list and says, you can't stop us. That's Christians. A worldwide flood didn't shut down Noah's ministry. And that was a big deal. Slavery and false imprisonment didn't stop Joseph's ministry. 40 years in the desert didn't stop Moses' ministry. The lions didn't stop Daniel's ministry. The fiery furnace didn't stop Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's ministry. Persecution didn't stop the apostles' ministry. And I refuse to let one bad year shut down the momentum of Bridgeway Christian Church. Amen? It has been hard, but the tide is turning. It's been hard, but the tide is turning. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to start making attending church important again. I need you to be with us. I need you to invite your friends and family to Easter. Why? Because they need more Jesus in their life, right? I need you to serve not just this Easter, but as much as you can because this is where you come alive. I need you involved. I need you to open your heart again. I need you to open your home again. I need you to reach out to your neighbor and go meet a stranger. It is time. It's a new day and God's on the move. Amen? Amen. What I want to do is I want to spend some time praying. I don't know how much time you get in your day to pray, right? But a lot of times we come rolling in at church and it's like we're wiped out and we're distracted and it's hard and right? And then we're like, man, I haven't prayed Shoot, it's been a couple days, right? I just want to take some time. This is one of the cool things about being in church. You're like, well, I'm feeling a little bit low. Well, let me carry it, right? Let me carry the prayer for a while. I'll pray a washing over you, right? I'll pray encouragement into you. But we have some stuff we need to talk about with the Lord. We need to shake off some of this stuff from last year, right? And we just need to start saying, Lord, I want to be wise. I want to be good. But Lord, I don't want it soaking into my spirit. I don't want that part of who I am. I don't need any of that isolation. I don't need any of that stuff to be my identity. I just want to be you, Jesus. That's what we're doing, yeah? That's what we're trying to do. So we need some prayer in us. We need some, some soaking time. So I'm just gonna spend some time in prayer and then we'll call it, right? We'll all be able to go on out in the power of Jesus, yeah? But let's just take some time to pray. Heavenly Father, in our world perspective, we went through a lot. Now, God, I, I, as a student of history, I kind of feel like it was not that big of a deal, but for most of us, Lord, it was the biggest thing we faced in a long, long time. God, we were freaked out. We were scared of stuff. We were angry about stuff. Lord, people hurt us. We thought we were already down and then other people started saying stuff and then we started seeing all these different political opinions flying around and God, it left us probably looking the least like you. And that is not what you intend. 
So we reject the lies of the enemy right here in Jesus' name. And we say we are indeed the body of Christ. We are indeed resilient, that we got knocked down, that our society got knocked down, that difficulty crushed us, but we are not done. We are ready to rebound again and do what is necessary to re-engage and be the salt and light that you built us to be. I pray right now, Jesus, extra energy to flow into my friends and family that are with me right here, right now. I pray, Lord, deep down, we would have our, have our reservoirs refilled so that even when we have a hard day, we still got a whole bunch more patience in the tube. God, I pray right now that you would allow us to have a joyful, light heart. You built us to walk on water. You built us to be able to rise above the cloud on wings like eagles. God, I pray that our situations would not distort our souls, that our circumstances would not dictate our theology. I pray, God, that we might be the ones that see through it all, that we're the ones that have a different heavenly perspective, that, God, when we fall down because we're fragile human beings, you empower us to rise up, that like Lazarus, even though he died, he got brought right back to life. God, I pray that you would give us a resilient spirit, that you would give us a powerful spirit, that you would give us a strong soul, that you would give us those springs in our step where we bounce right back up. Amen. God, I pray. I pray for our families. I pray for our households. Would you just breathe your beautiful, healing, Holy Spirit into our houses and just kind of chase out the cobwebs? Put a welcome sign right in the front of our door. Lord, allow us that wherever we are possibly able, that we would reach out to those that we do not know. That, Lord, that our hearts would be open to the, the, the different, the ones that aren't like us, that, God, that we might be filled with your spirit of loving people all the time, not just the ones we like, not just the easy ones to love, not just the ones in our family, but, God, that we would have expanding hearts. Lord, I pray that this last year would make us better and not worse. I pray that as we start to have a world that is opening up by your grace, you're the one that decides you decide where COVID goes and where it doesn't go. You decide how people react to it. You decide how our bodies react to it. You're in charge. But it sure looks like it's retreating, Lord. So we're going to say that we want to be the first ones in the welcoming line. We're the first ones in the receiving line. We're the first ones to reach out to our neighbor and say, is there anything I can do for you? Is there any way I can care for you? Is there any way I can love on you? So, Lord, some of us just have tired spirits. I pray for a rebound. I pray for an excitement. I pray for a fire to erupt and ignite right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would get us fired up, that nothing could shut us down. It doesn't matter what comes our way. We still have our fire on the inside. And it doesn't matter what happens in society. We will survive. That's how it works. So God, would you give us that faith? Would you give us our boldness back, our courage back, our strength back, that we might be able to walk out of here ready to be who you made us to be? In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.